Here we go. everyone and welcome to the moonshine jesus show we are brought to you by progressivechristianity.org and we need to let you know that there will be spoilers so if you haven't seen the titans you're going to find out some stuff about it we hope that you will follow us on social media both progressivechristianity.org and the moonshine jesus show i'm here today with my good buddy mark how are you doing today mark doing good man looking forward to the show Hey, me too. But before we get started, <laughs> yes, we've yes. got to pour ourselves some drinks. Do you have a drink Absolutely. with you today? I do. We're lucky we're doing the Titans, and there's a lot of relationship to uh, Batman in, in this. And uh, yes. there is a whole book out that was put out by DC mm-hmm. called Batman, the official Gotham City cocktail book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was a little easier to come up with. And the character who doesn't show up in his superhero outfit, but is kind of always in the background of this show is, of course, the Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see we see Bruce Wayne, but never the Batman. So I, I used the book and I made a Batman uh, cocktail oh. only because it's exactly what I like to drink. It's uh-huh. a cube of sugar, some bitters muddled together, pour bourbon on it. Get you a nice little uh, orange peel for a little scent and a little extra mm-hmm. flavor. And uh, so the Batman, that's what I'm having. How about you, sir? Uh, I like that. An official DC cocktail. It's, it Batman. is official. It's straight out of the book, man. And I, it looks you know, beautiful. It looks it, beautiful. It looks like it tastes good. It's it's incredible. This is yeah. This is right up my alley, you know. So I know it. Yeah, is. I'm happy yeah. about it. How about you, man? Where'd you? Go okay, with? so this season of the Titans is filled yes. with lots of talk about blood. There's oh yes, a blood moon, and mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. when one of the characters is supposed to come into power. And there's a lot of talk about him drinking blood and bathing yeah. in blood. And so I was Absolutely. inspired by all of this blood. Okay. For the flavoring, but I didn't want anything that tasted remotely. Yeah, imagine like that. Yeah. You're not you're uh, not into the whole not, haggis you know, and that not, kind of no. Not much of a vampire or any okay. of that. All right. Well, fair so, enough. Fair enough. So, but I've got a blood teeny, and oh. this blood teeny is actually a coconut cherry vanilla martini, and so it is equal parts vanilla vodka rum cream of coconut and you throw that in a shaker along with some cocktail cherries and there you go it looks delicious cheers sir yes cheers oh yeah that's good oh mine how too. about yours yeah, yeah nice. it's great so it's gonna be a Should great make- show we've got good drinks we got a good show to talk about so why don't there we take go. a break come back and geek out about it Welcome 
welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. As Caleb's already told you, today we're going to be talking about the television series Titans. We are currently in season four, and we'll be covering what they're calling part one. It's just the mid-season cliffhanger was just put out last Thursday. Uh, and so for those who may not be aware, the Titans is uh, it's based on a DC comic book superhero team called the Teen Titans which is uh, it's a group of young heroes who are headed up by a former, one of the former Robins of Batman and Robin, who's now called Nightwing. And, and what sort of seems to be a habit of this show, this season, in this season, the team finds itself in a new city, uh, this time it's Metropolis, where they're faced with Lex Luthor's latest plans involving Connor, who is better known as Superboy. So uh, my question to you, Caleb, is, Prior to this uh, television series coming out, were you a, a Teen Titan fan? Were, were you into them? I mean, what was your background with the Titans? Yeah, so I hadn't read any of the comic books. I'd watched some of the cartoons and yeah. uh, and was familiar with the characters. And so one of the things that I liked about this when it came on was the exploration of some folks that we don't normally see. I feel like yeah. DC is very heavily Batman and Superman, Superman. and Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman. Uh, mm -hmm. Aquaman in recent yeah. years, but, but very heavily Batman, right? In the Lego Batman movie, uh, he calls it uh, DC, the house that Batman built, right? And I think that's right. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so we don't get, DC has a rich universe that often didn't get explored. I think that's one of the cool things that Marvel has done is that they've yeah. reached in and taken some less popular heroes or less well-known heroes, and they've really yeah. elevated those in the last decade Absolutely. or so. And We've I got think movies cool about some of those Titan characters. Stuff. Yeah, what? and we got we got movies about some of those in the Marvel right. universe. There's whole movies about these what were semi minor characters in comparison to you know the the larger Captain Americas and Hulk and that yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah, I really like what they did. So, did did you start watching this back back when you could only watch it on the DC app? I so did because uh, <laughs> I'm enough too. of a geek that I had the the DC Universe app, and yep. I thought. <laughs> You know, especially for something without a very wide audience, because you do kind of have to be a, a geek to have a, yep. a comic book app on your on your device. So I thought, <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> right? I mean, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's fair. Yeah. You know, we may as well own who we are, Mark. <laughs> exactly. <right>? exactly. <laughs> There's no hiding it now. If people have been Absolutely. listening to Moonshine Jesus, they already know. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. We're almost at a year of this, so they, they probably have <laughs> a pretty good they idea. Know by now. <laughs> yeah, so I thought this is between this and then Doom Patrol that, that spun off of this. I'm like, this is really high quality content. And so I was yeah. pretty excited when it uh, came to HBO to get uh, a bit of a wider audience and mm -hmm. uh, to get a bit higher production value, I think, and a little more money put behind it. Yeah. And uh, I've been impressed since it was uh, since it's been moved to HBO. Yeah. I think I think the the moving it was really important. Um, I really I got the the DC um, app only because I wanted to see the Titans. I wanted to mm -hmm. see what they were going to do with this. Um, yeah. I was the same. I wasn't. I, I didn't really. I probably read a few of the Teen Titan comics, but not many. Right. Uh, but I loved the the cartoon, and I, I was for the same reason very interested in seeing what they're going to do with these minor characters, semi minor characters. Um, and how they put them together. And I got to tell you, man, yeah, 
those first two seasons, I don't know about you. I struggled. I had to go back and rewatch episodes so many times. I was, uh, there were just so many characters and they were frequently giving them all like their own storylines, but sometimes the storylines didn't even, in my mind, make a lot of sense. They felt disconnected. Did you have that that kind yeah, of? Yeah, it was convoluted, man. It, it was convoluted. I liked it because it was like new shows, and I liked that they were exploring these characters. But it it was convoluted, and the story arcs were all taking place separately. And I thought that that was hard. And yeah. one of the one of the compromises that you make whenever you're dealing with minor characters is that people also aren't as familiar with the backstories and right. so you you know everyone knows how batman became batman even if you right. haven't seen a batman movie in 20 years you know how batman became know. batman uh, you right. don't you don't have to show his parents getting murdered everyone knows right. his parents murdered with these other characters and the pearls falling stories. to the ground and the... yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit more of a, a mystery and i think that that yeah. was part of the problem uh and uh i i do think that that they struggled in those early seasons i think it's helped that they've all come together and as a team i think it's helped yeah. that they've all been in the same location for the mm-hmm. most part and have been sharing a similar storyline yeah, and, and I think, uh, like you were pointing out, when they went over to HBO's when we started seeing, I, I'm sure it was because there was more funds so they could pull in o- other writers uh, and add mm-hmm. to that team and the creative team, and they were able to up the, the production value. And, and last season was really pretty good. I think so far season four has been really wonderful, and they it feels like a team. They're acting like mm-hmm. a team. We see them interact with each other. And because there are fewer characters because they have kind of gotten rid of characters as the season went on last year and entered into this season we're getting to uh get to know the character like gar for instance Mm -hmm. um we we didn't really know much about him a matter of fact in the previous seasons they didn't really give him the screen time he he on on the cartoon like he was one of everyone's favorites he he was such a cool fun crazy character and they haven't been giving him any space up until this season and all of a sudden we're getting some pretty interesting things going uh on with gar and i think it's called the red where his Mm -hmm. his visions are taking him to the red and that's and trying to figure out what that means and and who he is within it so i i've really enjoyed uh seeing that and and one of the things I'm curious about your take on in this season. So th- this season is much more than any of the other seasons, leaning on the magical, supernatural, and also kind of horror themes. We, we haven't really seen, we might see little spots of it, but not to not to the point that we had zombie death stroke. Um, right. <laughs> you know? So, what, I mean, what what do you think about this kind of shift? Uh, like, there's it feels like there's a bit, about a bit of a shift in this season in the type of genre that they're trying to fit into. I think that's right. And I think that that's a larger shift that we're seeing within DC. Um, mm. I, like earlier this year, we talked about Sandman and uh, yeah. uh, kind of the, the horror genre stuff. And I think maybe that's a niche they're looking to fill. There's, mm. uh, you know, the kind of superhero uh, kind of horror film thing and uh yeah. and i think that that maybe that's that's right that that they've got some legs on that and it, i think mm-hmm. it's working well for them this season yeah. uh, in this i'm curious to see though you know there's been so much talk lately about uh turnover of management with dc and with james gunn uh stepping up as well i i don't 
I'm curious to see if this kind of new direction that's been started, if that's really going to happen. That doesn't really seem like James Gunn's thing to me. Well, uh, he, yeah, I, I, I don't. I think this is probably the last season of Titans. I, I think we're going to see a clean slate. I don't think he's going to take anything from the past with him. I think he's going to start from ground zero. So I, I think what we're going to see in the second part of the season is a wrap up of the storyline. I think that's why we've got so many big like there's there's storylines going on right now that season one would have been the entire season mm-hmm. and there's right. multiple of them i kind of feel like the writing staff is sort of reading the writing on the raw wall and saying if we think these are important pieces to get out there we're going to have to put them all together in this season and, and play it out but it's sort of working i think they're doing a really interesting job with it and i think one of one of those pieces that i like the most is what they're doing with connor with, with superboy Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, as he was introduced, we, we've seen him trying to struggle with and understand who he is and what his place is. Uh, and this season in particular, he's really struggling with that as he went to meet his father, one of his genetic fathers, Superman, and, and ultimately wasn't able to, and ended up having to see Lex Luthor, uh, and him struggling with those two sides of himself. And I, I I'm, I'm curious. So there's this one scene, um, in the last episode where uh, he, he, he uh, uses his, his laser eyes to cut his hair off and he shaves uh-huh. himself bald and he starts yeah. wearing leather and uh, he comes in and he's all like, he, he, he's not this kind of like soft-spoken, yeah, well, maybe we should do that, guys, and what are we going to do? He's just like badass, like, here's what we're going to do and I'm going to do it in three steps and I'm going to take care of him. It's going to be over. And, uh, uh, and Dick says to him, you're not the only one to ever have to go through uh, – this me Corey Rachel Gar we've all been there we've all had to fight and battle with our dark dark side mm-hmm. and Connor mm-hmm. says this isn't my dark side this is the side that's looking out for me mm-hmm. I'm curious what's your take on that this is the side that's looking out for me what do you think is going on there yeah so I think one of the one of the things that's the strongest about Titans is that um, it's dealing with character development in a very real way and i think by necessity so these are all people who are not established superheroes they're people who are all coming into their own just like just like in the comics and in the cartoons as well but i mean people who are growing into their identity and so that necessarily means struggling with identity and and change i think that that's something that's kind of cool and unique about titans um, that we don't always see in superheroes who are established so i think we see transformation in them i I think that's some of what we're seeing across the lines of all the characters in terms Mm -hmm. of connor specifically um i i think it's uh the lex it's the lex luther side that's coming right. out yeah and clearly. um so i mean the, bo- the shaved head and everything I mean, right i mean yeah they they, they kind of telegraphed that, that one didn't they, they? Kinda, <laughs> they really did kind of telegraph that they they didn't want us to uh have Miss. any kind of wiggle room there and so of course the lex luther side is uh the the evil side however right. you know i i i think that this also kind of translates to to our own minds as well right like there's a healthy degree of looking out for yourself and like self-confidence and like knowing what you're good at and being able to do it right Mm -hmm. because i mean his plan worked uh to a degree right mostly Uh, so i mean there's something about knowing what you're capable of and being able to do it 
without um, kind of uh, pushing all others to the side. Yeah. Uh, with uh, without saying, "Hey, I'm a narcissist, right? This is all about me. <laughs> Listen to me because I'm me." And, and right. so I think there's a fine line there, and I think that's the line that Connor's going to have to try to walk. Is yeah. you know, like not leaning too much into his Lex Luthor side. Is that well, what you're reading? Here's on? here's my take on it. Okay. I, I I think that this isn't actually very healthy at all. Um, <laughs> I think that this is coming from a place of fear. This is his bravado because he's scared right now. He's never dealt with magic before. He's never seen himself cut before. And he gets cut and 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 even has a, something take over his mind. And he's never had anything like that. I think he is scared out of his mind that he needed to talk to Superman, who has dealt with this kind of thing before and, and has dealt with the fact that magic has some kind of a, a power over mm-hmm. people from Krypton. Um, and I think this is bravado. This is him trying to quell his fears. And, and I think he's going to have to deal with the fear before he can become healthy with this again. And it's going to be interesting to see, at least for me, how long this plays out. And I, I'm, I'm beginning to think because, let's face it, uh, uh, angry, badass Superboy is pretty cool. I mean, he's pretty cool. He is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that they're going to want to keep him around as long as they can. So I think we're going to see that that struggle go on. And probably it'll be the penultimate or the final show where he kind of deals with his fears and his anger. And who knows? Maybe maybe we'll get to have some kind of off-screen conversation with Superman. And his dad helps him. You know, as he's leaning towards one genetic dad, maybe the other genetic dad will come in and help him figure out what his real fears are and and that could help him find and discover himself because as we both said this really is a show of people discovering who they are and trying to figure out uh how to be okay with who they are and and to move forward with other folks this kind of chosen family that they have um anyway we could continue to geek out we We would if we had all the time in the world but we don't Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do right now, I think, is to, I know, it's sad. It is so sad. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a quick drop here and come back on the other side with some political theological thoughts. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are moving into our Theopolitico segment. Every week on the Moonshine Jesus Show, we try to geek out a little bit, and then we try to relate this to theology and politics. And so today we're talking about the team, the team Titan, the Titans, not Teen Titans. That's not Teen Titans. The, the Titans. <laughs> and, and the comic book series. It is based on it. It's an easy mix. It is. That's right. Yeah. I, I'm, I've got the source material. Very cool. There you go. There you go. The Titans and and how it relates to theology and politics. And so we were just talking a little bit about like future and destiny and figuring Mm. out who we are. And so one of the things that I see this show kind of exploring is whether or not we have the power to choose our future. 
And this season right. in particular, I think that's that's explored with Connor, but it's also sub- mm-hmm. uh, explored with Sebastian, who's a new character sure. that we haven't talked about much. And he's yeah. kind of a pivotal character that we see in relationship to his mother, Mother Mayhem. Mayhem, Mayhem. And uh, I'm curious, Mark, what you yeah. think about our own power to choose our destiny. Do we have power to to yeah. choose our destiny? And to what extent is that laid out for us? Or, or yeah, I'm glad that, that you brought up Sebastian because I think mm-hmm. he's sort of the the perfect example for an answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, I, I think that we, of course, we can choose our destiny and our futures mm-hmm. and and determine that, but. We are constantly impacted by everyone around us. We are more deeply connected than we ever want to admit, unfortunately, uh, to everyone. And so the, the choices other people make definitely impact us. We see that with Mother Mayhem as she asks him leading questions about his childhood to try to mm-hmm. get him to want to seize power. And, and we all have those kinds of influences in our life, uh, and particularly in the United States where uh, might makes right and the powerful seem to have everything. And so we have all these influences trying to push us to do whatever it takes to be successful in terms of achieving power, like defining success that way. So I kind of love Sebastian, who becomes Sebastian Blood, um, be, being brought up. He, he mm-hmm. For me... We're going to another story arc. He starts off as this really kind person. And and he was sort of manipulated into being a kind person by his own mother if we trust the backstory that uh, Mother Mayhem told him about what his mom tried to make him to be a nice person to the new kid that's in the house and all that Mm -hmm, kind of stuff. mm -hmm. But he became this sort of nice person, except we see that flashback where he breaks up with uh, this woman who actually cares about him so that she doesn't do it to him first. Uh, so he's kind of complicated, but a nicer kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we get to see, we'll probably get to see this great story arc where he's tricked into becoming this all-powerful evil person and that ultimately he's going to recognize that who he was and his true self is, uh, was the person that was friends with the Titans. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, what's what's your take? I mean, that's weird coming from a minister who who's supposed to be a, a Presbyterian minister who's supposed to believe in predestination. Uh, right. But no, I think there's lots of self-determination, but we have to be realistic that we're, we're doing it in a place where we're connected with all folks and all have impact on us. What's your yeah, thought? So I think this is one of the most interesting things to explore in Christian theology and with the Titans, mm-hmm. because uh, that as we mentioned throughout this, that the, the whole principle, I think, of the Titans is that they're, they're becoming who they are supposed to, who they are. They're figuring themselves right. out. They're, they're discovering themselves through, through being with this, this band of other people who are going through the same process. And uh, yeah. they're recognizing that just because of who they have been, uh, right. it, that doesn't necessarily determine who, who they are. So just because uh-huh. Dick Grayson has been Robin, doesn't mean that he always has to live in Batman's shadow. Doesn't mean right. that Bruce Wayne's rules are his rules. Uh, yeah. Just because uh, Raven has a father who is a demon and is right. evil, doesn't mean that she has to be evil. She can determine that for herself, and she comes into her own understanding of who she is. So I think that's one of the things that's powerful about Titans. I think also that this is something that is interesting in Christian theology because mm-hmm. – um, because a lot of people, even if they don't buy into like predestination, do right. buy into the theology that everything happens for a reason, for a reason. or that things yeah. are unfolding as they're supposed to. And 
I I serve a progressive congregation, Mark, as you yeah. do, and I have yeah. always been a part of progressive congregations. And yet this narrative continues mm-hmm. on that that there is kind of a plan uh, that that things are happening as they're supposed to. Why do you think that people continue to bring that forward, like that everything happens for a reason? Is, is yeah, I, I mean, I I. I yeah, I hear you. And I think it's one of the most harmful things that we do. Um, and I'm going to add to it that this idea of uh, trying to discover who God created you to be, yeah, I think is one of the most horrific things we can do to anybody because it seems to put this unknown target that you have to hit precisely somehow uh, yeah. rather than recognizing God created you to be you like that. That's, and it's not really God created you as much as you were born. And now your job is to figure out who you are and, and in relationship with other people. And I think the reason that we, we fall into those kind of what I'm going to call shallow the, theological perspectives mm-hmm. is that life is difficult and it's messy and it's nice to feel like there's some kind of design to it. There gives, there is some, comfort that can come with that. Um, I, I think that that comfort, though, is really short-lived because of all the things it teach, tries to teach us, or at least we end up believing, like I just pointed out, of this. I've got to figure out who it is that God made me to be if I'm going to be successful in life. I've got there's this, this one place, this one little spot that I've got to spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how to get to, or else I have somehow failed. So we're, we're trading temporary comfort in a chaotic world for ultimately feeling horrible about not being able to achieve what that temporary comfort seems to suggest. Yeah, and it's not even that comforting if you really think about it. Really you described. I mean, it's it, it really is just kind of fat, shallow theology or just something that we say. And uh, I, I think that people um if, if they really think about it don't don't want to believe that that uh right. that that our life is laid out for us and we have to do things in a certain way or that we have to be who we are but i think that that's right. something important for progressives to look out for language wise too because yeah. i find myself saying a lot of times mm-hmm. hey you are who god created you to be and i think right. what what i'm saying in there is that you are as you are, and that's good. Uh, good but, yeah. but I think you're right too that that we can uh, we can interpret that to be like, oh, but who am I supposed to be? Am I living into who I'm supposed to be? Right. Uh, am I am I okay? Am I inherently sinful? All of that right. crap, all of that baggage, all that horrible, yeah. Yeah, right. That people hang yeah. on to, and so that's yeah. one of the things I found myself dealing with more and more is that. Uh, people carry that inherited theology with them, mm-hmm. you know, oh, that that stuff from kind of Orthodox Christianity that uh, <laughs> that maybe we don't even confess to believe anymore. But like, it's hard to shake right. off that. And one of the th- <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the things we have to start doing <laughs> yeah. is being more theological about it and thinking mm-hmm. about <clears throat> what that kind of mindset is saying about God if everything is laid out and there is a plan that that means that all the bad stuff that's happening was laid out and there was a plan for it. Yeah. And that, and what that says about God would make for a God that I have no interest in, in being right. in relationship with or, you know, worshiping or anything like that. Not that I think God actually wants to be worshiped, but right. <clears throat> having that kind of a relationship with I, that, that's not a God I would want to be in. 
any kind of relationship with. So I think we have to start understanding, thinking more deeply theological rather than this shallow theology to say, okay, maybe there is some comfort, maybe there is some just ease in believing these things, but what does that say about God? And, and is that the God that I understand that I'm trying to be in relationship with? And we, we, we certainly don't approach it that way enough, I think. I think you're right. And I think that even if we weigh it out like that for folks, that most people see the problem with that, uh, yeah. with, uh, with a God who lays things out uh, and lays everything out and evil things out. But that if you if we describe a God in that way, that most lay folks are not interested in worshiping a God who has anything to do with evil. And right. so um, thinking uh, thinking about theodicy, the, the problem of evil, I think is, is mm-hmm. important in that way. Uh, so one of one of the things that I think can be the most evil is perpetuating like strength, like this this notion of power and strength. Yeah. And so one of the things that Mother Mayhem says to Sebastian in the latest episode, as she's trying yeah. to seduce him to take a bloodbath, literally right. like a bath, literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. drink the uh, blood and then take a bloodbath, <laughs> take a bloodbath, yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's she's showing him, as you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, Mark, all, all of these scenes from his past that are right. kind of manipulating him into into recognizing that that he wants to go into the bloodbath, whether he really does or not. And so she says that uh, strength ought to be valued over weakness. That right. uh, that strength is, is what it's all about. Mark, uh, I, I'm I'm thinking about this in relationship yeah. to Christian theology. Uh, do you see any places in Christian theology where we're valuing strength over weakness, <laughs> or we've got like false idolatry, or we've got some idolatry around strength? Right. I, I need to uh, switching this out, and I, I bet you can what? do it. I don't know, man. I mean, in our modern world, obviously, the Christian church would never value power over weakness. Uh, since that's where our, our, our text, our text would, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, now that I've said <laughs> I think that, I've seen it. <laughs> I think that there might be, there is this thing that happened. I, it's not really covered well earlier this year, uh, actually the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. uh, that, that was political, but it also, there was a lot of Christian flags flying around during it. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but some people tried to take over the Capitol building and, and, and uh, change the In elections. The United States? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The president, the president was kind of behind it too. He's kind of he the was kind president? of cool. But I surely, know, it's crazy. It's crazy. surely Christians like stood stood up against well, it, right? Yeah, exactly. Except for those you know that were flying the Christian flag as they charged oh. into the Capitol building. Oh, yeah, well, which is kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it shows how disconnected a lot of really fit folks who consider themselves diehard Christians have become uh, mm-hmm. in the United States. How disconnected they have become from our our biblical text. I mean, just this past weekend, um, I'm already delving in. I love going ahead and delving into the Christmas story weeks ahead of time so that we have enough time to really unpack it and really Mm -hmm. dig in. And one of the things we talked about was this kind of beautiful, um, you know, piece of, of the Christmas narrative is really about, you know, uh, the come up and kind of sense of, of, of Christianity that, that, that these kings were going after this child because he was a threat to their power and the child's born into kind of lowly circumstances is going to, you know, become the prince, but a prince of peace. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's it's so crazy that you can go throughout the Christian uh, scriptures and over and over again show where this is definitely a movement about empowering the marginalized and not giving them power, but giving them equality by empowering them in that way. I, I don't understand. I mean, how how do we get so? Is it is it is it the same as we were talking earlier? Is it just easier to do that? Is it easier to believe that God laid everything out? Is it also easier to just believe that that your Christianity really wants you to be powerful and lord over people? I mean, of course it, it is because we're living in the most powerful country in the world, yeah. and if we were, and it's hard, I think, to be American and Christian. Because in many ways, they are inherently at odds with each other. If you're talking about a marginalized Jewish peasant who is your best teacher about who God is and about how you are to live your life, and he's always talking about standing in solidarity with those who are oppressed. He's always talking about how hard it is for the rich to uh, to be one with God. And then we are living in the richest country, even though a lot of people, you know, are are living in poverty. A lot of people have problems. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying that we are living in the most powerful nation this world has ever known. And I think they are inherently at odds with each other. And I think whenever we really look at the the Christian uh, Christmas narrative and we recognize that one of the things that it's about is confronting the Roman Empire which achieves yeah. peace through through victory and through conquest. Right. And we're looking at uh, a narrative about the Christmas story that's talking about someone who's going to be, bring uh, peace through justice, that, uh, that we have to put that at odds with where we are in the world because we are empire, right? And so how is it that we live into being Christian and how is it that we make some sense of that with our modern uh, American values. It's it's a tough answer, uh, and I yeah. bet we're not going to be able to answer it all. We, we're not going to, but but there is some hope as well. I, I'm I'm looking at some of the chat that's going on, and yeah. Shirley Collis Collis um, is a great example of the hope of people who get what exactly we're talking about. She says, "Yes, the birth." of that baby under those circumstances was not about quote kingship, but empowering the marginalized. And that's exactly surely, you know, is right on point. That's what this is really about. It's what the whole Christian narrative is supposed to be about. Uh, Understanding why some people don't grab hold of that or choose, maybe even recognize it, but choose to go otherwise and still uh, wrap themselves in, you know, the Christian name and, and, and try to claim it um, is, it's going to be a long struggle for us to, to, to pinpoint what's going on there and to begin to help un- unlearn that kind of perspective, I think. I totally agree. And I, I wish we could delve into this deeper, especially exploring the, the Christmas narrative a little bit more uh, and how it relates to this as we're growing uh, closer to Christmas. Yeah. But you know what? It is time for us to end the Theopolitico segment, and <laughs> we've enough. got to move into our favorite segment, Mark, which is the oh, yeah. Make Me Look Stupid segment. We've got to try and make each other look stupid because it wouldn't be an episode of Moonshine Jesus if we didn't. So why don't <laughs> we take a quick break, grab a drink, and let's come back and try to make each other look stupid. <laughs>
Hello and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You have joined us for our favorite segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment, where we delve into doing our best to ask a question that our partner cannot answer and hence looks stupid. Uh, Caleb, I'm going to jump right in on this one. Lots of times I like to, to give you the, the, the honors, but I'm going to jump right in on this. So okay. one of the big things that happens, we get a new character this season, Jinx, and she's kind of delightful, and there's lots of interesting yes. characters. She's kind of neutral, chaotic, and it's really fun to watch how she interacts with everybody. But, and once again, spoiler alerts, if you don't want to hear things, you should tune out right now, because I'm about to spoil the ending of the show. We see Jinx, as she's helping the Titans kind of uh, rescue uh, um Connor and, and try to, to rescue Sebastian and, and ultimately fell at that. But we see her take on uh, the, the, the big bad uh, in this and Mother Mayhem. And as she is trying to trap Mother Mayhem and kind of freeze her, Mother Mayhem manages to get a, a, a sword basically mm -hmm. stuck through Jinx and she dies. Yeah. My question to you is, is Jinx really dead? Nah, she's coming back because uh, what makes you she, say that? I'm interested because because of what she said when she got stabbed. She said, "Not, not again." Right? Uh, so implying that this has happened again, and she's come back. Yeah. And I really yeah. hope she comes back because she is my favorite character in the show. I, I think she's fantastic. Her. She's I a too. lot of fun, and like you yeah. said, she's chaotic. She's a little unpredictable, and. Uh, I, I really have enjoyed Jenks uh, to the point, you know, it, it's always kind of tough whenever they bring new characters on uh, right. who kind of join the central cast. That's always a gamble. And a lot of times that doesn't really work out. In this case, I think she added a little levity to the series yeah, that it did. really needed. DC uh, shows and films in general Dark. struggle from a lack of levity uh, yeah, taking absolutely. a little too seriously and so i think yeah. her coming on is helpful in that way so uh one i don't think it she's really dead and two uh, i think it would be detrimental to the rest of the season if she wasn't <laughs> in it. how about you what do you think can i crush your dreams just a little bit um uh, no you can't <laughs> <laughs> I want Jinx so, there. So, so here's the thing. Yeah, she's not listed in the cast list. She's listed as a recurring character. Uh, well, and okay. You see, so, she can so, recur for the rest of the season. <laughs> well, then, then, then she would be in the cast list. So here's what I think is going to happen. It's not completely crushing your dreams. Here's what I think is going to happen. The fact that she's in, fact that just like you said, she said not again. Like it was really almost like like annoying. It, she wasn't like I can't. She was like, oh, not again. <laughs> uh, but she's not in the cast list, which tends to indicate that she won't be in every episode. Mm -hmm. uh, but she is in a reoccurring. So here's what I think is going to happen: is that no, she's not dead. There, there's going to be lots of angst over her death. And it's always interesting to to uh, watch Nightwing when he loses uh, one of his members of his team because he kind of goes off the deep end so i think we're going to get the dark brooding nightwing for a little while as they're trying to figure out how to get jinx back i think we will get jinx back i just think she's going to like say you know what you guys live a dangerous life and ain't for me i'm out of and i mm -hmm. think we won't get her to the end of the season that's my guess but i don't uh, we'll see we'll see 
Yeah, let's see. I I, I hope she she comes back. And maybe, I do too. I'm with you. I love if by some miracle Titans gets renewed for a fifth season. They better bring it. <laughs> right. Uh, then I I hope she kind of joins the main cast. Uh, Agreed. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So here's my question for you, Mark. Okay. Um, it's about Tim Drake. Uh, who okay. is yeah. All a, right. a new new Robin who mm-hmm. wants to become a hopeful Robin. a hopeful new Robin a hopeful Robin right so in the comics but, he does become one of the Robins yes um, he does and so one of the interesting takes that they have on Tim Drake is that he's gay and he is starting a relationship yeah. with one of the um, Star Labs one, yeah Star Labs people uh, mm-hmm. uh, scientists I guess who works at Star Assume Labs so yeah. So I, I'm I'm curious about two things. One, how do you think they handled Tim Drake's coming out here, and yeah. uh, how do you think that that DC is comparing with Marvel in terms of LGBT characters? Ah, well, let's start with the second part of the question first. DC, <laughs> okay, uh, they're really hor- horrible at it, and if anything. They over-promote the importance of masculinity and femininity. They try to, their characters have to be very masculine, or even if it's a, a, a if it's a strong, incredible woman, they want to make sure she's still presented as feminine as possible so that, and, and they do that over and over again. And that does not help with any um, understanding of sexual identity and, and sexuality at all. In the case of, of, of Tim Drake, I think they did a beautiful job. It was so sweet and cute, and you could feel the kind of weird kind of like first love tension happening and then those little glances and quick little words they said to each other. I, I thought it was absolutely adorable the way they approached it. And then the, I love how they showed the relationship. You know, there was this real kind of uh, picking on each other, but also this real... Uh, making it clear that they admired each other in really healthy ways. Um, and I, I just thought they handled it great. I love the setup to it. We could see it was coming. Then they, they, they had the kiss and I love his reference. Uh, when everyone's talking about what a day it's been, these, this happened and man, we had to fight this person. We had to do this. And he said, and, and don't forget the kiss. Don't, don't forget. <laughs> right. I absolutely loved it. I mean, yeah. what do you think, man? Yeah, so this I one I think that I I liked Tim Drake's storyline. I liked that they made yeah. the character character gay and that we got to explore that with him. I thought that was great. Um, I think that DC tends to handle LGBTQ plus issues better than Marvel does, and okay, uh, so so I think that Marvel does almost everything better than DC. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think yeah. over the past decade, that has been proven true time and time again. But one of the things that I've seen and been impressed with, especially yeah. in the silver screen versions of DC characters, okay. is more and more emphasis on on portraying LGBTQ plus folks uh, authentically. And so okay. I think about um, so we've got this here in the Arrow or in uh, in Titans, and I think in the Arrowverse we see a number of LGBTQ plus characters uh, that have been on the CW and uh, have uh, kind of shown a little more uh, authentic kind of lives. We've, yeah. we've really seen them live into and explore their sexuality in a healthy way, and I don't think we've seen that as much. 
from Marvel. Can, can you think of as many? Can you think of any Marvel examples of where we've seen? Well, off the top uh, of my series? head, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm not going to be able to to come up with them. But I, I do remember there being several times where you actually asked me the question uh, about a, a a gay character or a queer character in Marvel, and why did I thought they handled it? And I've always felt that they've handled them very well, and 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 make it again also very normal so maybe maybe we're we're seeing two sides of the same coin and 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 i'm seeing it in marvel and you're seeing it in dc and maybe the reality is it's actually in both and they're becoming pretty good at it because off the top of, of my head i'm not thinking of any a lot of dc characters uh where it was where it was a primary character where we learned something and, and i see a lot of the opposite in DC, the machismo and the importance of that kind of thing. But I try, I completely trust your judgment uh, you, uh, that you're seeing it for me means that I need to go back and rethink it and, and look a little closer at it. Well, I'm thinking about folks like, um, like black Canary, uh, the original black Canary and, uh, in, mm-hmm. uh, arrow and the Arrowverse. I'm, th- right. I'm the ba- the most recent, that, uh, uh, yeah. the most recent iteration of Batgirl. Right, right. So I'm, I'm thinking about there. some characters like that. Uh, so, but I think you're also right, Mark, that that we're seeing this uh, kind of play out more across uh, superhero, uh, across all mediums, but I- including superhero mediums, which I think is good because I think our society in general tends to equate all superheroes with kind of this machismo thing. And so I think uh, having both major franchises kind of combating that by exploring yeah. issues of sexual orientation and gender identity is very important. Um, yeah. So maybe lifting up what superhero shows are doing well is a, right. a good absolutely. place. Absolutely. That is the, definitely. It absolutely and, is. And so what, uh, before we go, though, we need to yep. talk about what we're going to do for the oh, next show. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, do you do you want to share with folks where we're going on oh, the I next can't show? Oh, I wait to. It's it's oh, going to yeah. be exciting. Uh, you're going to need to watch uh, mm. the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. For Absolutely. Right. And it is. I have seen it already. Mm. I'm going to watch it once, maybe two more times, because wow, I love it that much. Okay. This is one of my all-time favorite. Mm-hmm. holiday specials it is hysterical there is this fun storyline um I, I i'm not going to spoil anything i'm just telling you what a brilliant fun show they put together and there's some parts in it that are going to help when guardians of the galaxy 3 comes out next year that you, you're going to need to know anyway so you're doing yourself a favor because you're going to enjoy it and you're also going to learn some information so that you'll be ready when the uh show comes out uh the movie comes out next year so with that well, said caleb Aren't you excited? It's going to be great, man. I, I can't I wait am. to. I, I I can't. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to hear your take on the holiday special. I, well, I, I genuinely. Wait. I mean, I've been waiting like until closer to the show, but you've got yeah. me so pumped about it, Mark, that I yeah. feel like I need to watch it like tonight so that I have time to squeeze in two or three you more be, viewings. You won't be <laughs> so disappointed, and you'll and you'll want to see it again. I promise. It's just it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Well, all right. We've wasted uh, 47 minutes of your time tonight. We really appreciate you being with us uh, and sticking through the end of the show uh, and listening on the podcast as well. Uh, thank you all for doing that. Make sure you always subscribe to our podcast. You can subscribe in any of the places the podcast are offered. Uh, with that said, Cheers to you, Caleb. Uh, another fun show. Uh, and uh, 
to those out there, thank you again. And uh, till next time, we'll see you on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus.